This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. And I think like, unless you are Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, depending on the day of the week, then there will always be someone that's wealthier than you. So I think we have to define, first of all, what wealth looks like for ourselves and go after that. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we are talking about how to build generational wealth for your family. The type of wealth that allows your family to experience financial freedom, choice, and options for generations to come. The type of wealth that allows you to have the financial power to be the positive change you want to see in our society and our country. And our guest today is here to tell us more about generational wealth and how we can all pursue it for our families. Anne Lease Wealth is a personal finance writer, podcaster, and certified public accountant. She is the host of the Dreamers podcast and author of Dream of Legacy, Raising Strong and Financially Secure Black Kids. She is also the founder of dreamoflegacy.com, a platform dedicated to inspiring millennials to build wealth with purpose. When she isn't helping millennial families build wealth, she loves travel and spending time with her husband and three young children. Welcome to the show, Annelise. Thank you, Handy. Thank you for having me. You and I have been connected for almost at least six months now, whether it's through writing or connecting on social media, and I'm glad to speak with you today. So let's talk right away about generational wealth. How do you define generational wealth? When you look at the definition of generational wealth, it's really like assets, right, that you pass down from one generation to the next. But to me, it's more than monetary assets. It's more than, you know, like real estate, stock market investment or cash or, you know, financial things. It's also about intangible assets that you can pass down. And that's education, financial education, definitely, you know, family history, values, character, anything that can help your children understand what money is and really how it can be used as a tool, not only to improve their own lives, but also to help other people improve their lives. Excellent. Well, let's talk about those purposes. So we are going to instill these lessons, the knowledge, the know-how. What is this going to do for generations to come if they have this knowledge? Well, so I think it will help them have, and you mentioned that earlier, have better options. It helps them have freedom. It helps them have the opportunity to be everything that they want to be, to go after their dreams. It gives them really a leg up in life. And I think for a lot of parents, especially parents who build wealth on their own, they want their kids or their children to have that leg up so that they can do work that they love, so that they can live the life that they want to live and support the causes that they want to support and create change in the world. 
obviously this is a concept that is near and dear to your heart. So when did this concept come into your life? Was this something that you grew up with? Was this learned from your parents? So I definitely did not (laughs) grow up with this concept. I am part of the black community and generational wealth is very uncommon. It's almost an abstract concept in our community. And so I grew up in Cameroon, which is in Africa, and France. And I moved to the United States when I was 18 years old. And I've met people in my life that were black people in my life that had wealth. But I have rarely come across or been exposed to generational wealth. And I think like one of the statistics that I like to point to a lot is that 70% of generational wealth gets lost by the second generation and 90% by the third. And I am pretty sure that when it comes to the black community, it's a lot less than 70% by the second generation. For minorities, generational wealth is actually declining. You know, and one of the things that really attracted me to this topic is because by 2053, the median net worth of black families is supposed to go down to zero. And by 2073, it's expected to do that, to go down to zero as well in the Latin community. So there is definitely an issue with not only building wealth, but also retaining it. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family where we didn't necessarily have a lot of conversations, but I was able to witness a lot of healthy financial habits that kind of help build generational wealth. And so when I started, I decided to research the topic even further and decided why not write a book (laughs) about it so that I can help my community and really anybody that's helping it, that's interested in creating change for underserved communities, get them the tools and address specific challenges and opportunities that we have so we can also build generational wealth. I like the book. I've read it. One thing that stands out to me is not only is this advice for the black community in general, but this is something that you live and breathe yourself. So talk to us a little bit about how you are making this commitment to building wealth for your family. Well, I am a mother of three young children. You know, my kids are seven and younger. And I think one of the things that I mentioned earlier to build generational wealth, you kind of have to educate your kids, right? Because if you just focus on accumulating the wealth and just pass it down, then they might not. Statistics show that they probably won't be able to maintain it, let alone grow it. So, you know, with at home, our strategy is to start having the conversations with our children early. And so my kids are seven and I have four-year-old twins. And You know, we practice, you know, my seven-year-old, she has responsibilities, so she gets an allowance. And when she doesn't do her job properly, then she doesn't get paid as much. And we, you know, teach her about negotiating her salary every year so she can get a raise. And we talk to her about delayed gratification. And, you know, a good example that I can give you is, you know, recently we had to go to the bike shop to get her bike tire fixed and you know once we got there she decided that she wanted to buy a ring bell for her bike a bell for a bike but she didn't have money with her and you know it was only ten dollars so I probably could have purchased that for her but you know I took that as an opportunity to talk to her about well you know this is 
this is kind of like more than what you earn every week, right? So this is a, a large purchase for you. You should plan it. And so if you still want it, because you came in here, you didn't have any intention of buying it. So maybe, you know, if you really want it, just think about it. Next time you can come back and buy it. And that's what she did. So, you know, when we had to go back uh, a few weeks later, she said, all right, I'm taking my wallet because I want to purchase that bail. And I think that's just a lesson about, you know, just because your parents can't afford to spend $10 to buy you things doesn't mean that we have to. And you, you know, you, first of all, you have to earn money and you have to plan for large purchases. And, you know, we recently also started introducing her to, she does saving, investing, and giving. So, you know, we have like the jar at home, but we recently started int introducing her to investing. I am not a big individual stock picker, but I think <laughs> for this lesson, for her, it makes sense to pick kind of like stocks that she is interested in so that instead of just thinking about herself as, you know, a consumer, she can start investing in the companies that she likes. So she got some Disney stock, she didn't even know that she could own own stock in companies. So it's just like little lessons in everyday life and hoping that by the time our kids are adults, they can be responsible financially and be on their own path to build wealth. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I recently saw, and I, I might be incorrect in this, that you can buy Roblox stock right now. And my, my daughter really loves that game. <laughs> so maybe that is a good way for her to get a little bit more interested in investing because my safe and secure index fund advice is just kind of like, Dad, what are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be a little advanced. <laughs> exactly. Well, one thing that obviously you're providing these lessons to your children, one chapter in the book or one section of the book that I really enjoyed is is you not only providing those lessons, but also providing sort of the power of positivity, the power of affirmations. Can you talk about that a little bit with us? I believe that what you say about yourself, you become. So that's why, you know, every day our children, they have daily affirmations that they say. It's really to just make them understand that, first of all, they have the power within themselves to become everything and anything that they want to be. I think over time, obviously, the affirmations that you say at four, five, six are not going to be the same as, you know, when you get older. But, you know, over time, we'll change them. And, you know, I myself still use affirmations because I, I, I truly believe that once you start saying things, you start visualizing it and you can actually start creating a path to make it happen. I love that. Yeah, there's something to the power of positivity. I am a firm believer in that because that's how I like to live, especially when I'm feeling down. You know, I write down things that I'm feeling grateful for. I try to provide words of encouragement to people that I love. You know, that sort of outlet for me helps me to, I guess, feel a little bit better about my day. Let's talk a little bit about building generational wealth. We talked about the lessons and the education. Let's talk more about the financial side of things. How can somebody start to build generational wealth? You know, like you said, you talk, we talked about, you know, the education piece. Easy first step. You know, if you have an employer, just make sure that you participate in the company's 401k, at least up to the employer's match. Then, you know, take advantage of all of the tax advantage accounts that you can, you know, whether it's the Roth IRAs, the HSAs, the 403B, depending on your profession. And also, I want to say, 
Because sometimes, you know, you might feel like you don't have enough to invest. But, you know, just start, just do what you can in, in the beginning. Do what you can and then see if you can increase it by 1%, maybe every quarter, maybe maybe every six months until you can get to the point where you max, you max out those accounts. And, you know, other than that, there's brokerage account, once you've taken advantage of all of the, you know, the tax advantage accounts, then you can definitely venture into the brokerage account, open a brokerage account, and then there you can also invest in stocks. And, you know, I'm saying stocks first because it's it's just a passive way to build wealth. And it's worked for <laughs> a very long time. So why not, you know, why not do something that has been that has worked for a lot of people in the past. And, you know, I know you're a big fan of low cost index fund to start. And I am all the way there with you. <laughs> then there's real estate, right? It can provide the opportunity to build wealth, not only through appreciation, but also through, you know, cash flowing properties. And again, you know, here, just like everything else, you just have to make sure that you educate yourself so that you actually make good investments. Then there's also just business, right? You can have a business that you hope to pass down to your children. And if your children are not interested, because that's a possibility, <laughs> you can always sell it. <laughs> then there's, uh, and we, we don't necessarily think about this as a way to build wealth, but you know, life insurance, because, you know, what happens if you're no longer here? Are your loved ones, are your dependents, your spouse, are they going to be taken care of? And so that's something that you can do to make sure that if the worst were to happen, they would just have to focus on the grieving process and not have to worry about finances. I think those are a few, a few ways to get started. Of those, I think you mentioned almost four or five right there. How are you building generational wealth with your family? Are you are you flipping all these levers? <laughs> Definitely stock market. Real estate is something that we are considering, but haven't really <laughs> like every year there's something that happens that stops us from, you know, going toward down that path. But it's definitely something that we want to do. I guess I started a business myself. I'm not at a point where I can consider it a wealth, <laughs> wealth, you know, asset that I can just pass down, but hopefully I'll get there one day. Yeah, the lucrative business of podcasting is not quite there for me yet either. But hey, we're doing it together and we're doing the first part, at least educating folks at the beginning. Maybe the financial stuff will come down the road. We'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. So yeah, we can talk about building generational wealth. How about keeping generational wealth? You mentioned a statistic of 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation and then 90% by the following generation. That's a huge statistic. So what are some ways that we can combat this? Statistics are <laughs> against the, you know, the probability of you being able to build generational wealth, but it's good to know so that you can try to do things differently. And I think the first thing really is that parents a lot of times focus on the building wealth part. And well, first of all, we have to understand that it takes a different skill to earn money or to build wealth than it takes to keep it. Right. So you have to educate yourself on, you know, about personal finance and about how to make money work for you. So that's the first step that you can take as a as a parent. Then we also have to understand that the person who inherits wealth is not going to, you know, value it as much as the person who built it, more than likely. So what can you do as a parent to teach your children about how to earn money, how to be independent, how to stay away from unnecessary debt, how to be financially responsible, how that, you know, that they don't have to buy everything that they can afford how to invest. So those are the things that I think are going to help you as a parent prepare your children to receive a potential inheritance. But I actually want to take want to take it one step further and maybe you know parents should consider transferring assets while they are alive. And what the reason why I'm saying this is because while you're there, you can actually provide, you know, advice and hopefully by the time you are, you know, you are no longer here, they'll have everything under the control and they can just pass it down to the next generation. And, you know, I think another important piece is estate planning, right? 
How are you organizing your affairs? And a lot of times when we hear estate planning, we're thinking, oh, this is for like, you know, people who are super wealthy. But it really just means get your things in order so that you can minimize, well, first of all, taxes, so that your family is financially secure. And you can actually go a step further. You know, you can explain how you want your assets to be distributed. And of course, you know, as a parent, especially of young children, there's the piece about how, you know, who is going to take care of your children, right? And, you know, also, I think when it comes to your estate plan, something to consider is maybe having like a clear financial vision that you communicate in your estate plan so that the, the second generation follows the guideline. And, you know, you can p- potentially, depending on how how much wealth you're able to build, you can have s- certain restrictions in place to kind of put some things in, you know, order. And hopefully that helps. It's still a, a, an uphill battle, though. So you mentioned the estate plan. Obviously, yes, it's a very broad word that maybe kind of scares people away a little bit. I, well, I'm not rich. I don't. I don't. I don't need all that. So, is there a point in time in your wealth building journey that it makes sense to do an estate plan, or is that something that everybody should do? So, I think you know, if it's just you and you don't have any assets, you don't have any anybody depending on you, you don't necessarily need to go that route. But you know, once you start having dependents or when once you start having assets you can have either or or you can have both then you need an estate plan because if you don't have if you if it's just you i mean if it's you and you have children but you don't have you feel like you know you don't have you're not wealthy well this this is the perfect time to have life insurance so that you know they can be secured if you have dependents you want to make sure that you have things in place and and actually If you do have significant assets, I'm actually saying that you might consider going a step further than just, you know, having a will, but looking into having a trust. Because let's say your, you know, your children, when you pass away, your children are relatively young. Let's say they're 18. Do you really want your children to inherit everything at 18? Are they going to be ready? Maybe you want to break it down into, you know, like different stages in life. So it's just, just looking into it, definitely consulting with an estate attorney and finding the solutions that are right for you. But I think that if you have people relying on you and if you have assets, that's something that you should look into. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you mentioned the wealth gap, and obviously this is something that you and I have had conversations about in the past. It's something I'd love to delve in with you a little bit more. This is a big gap, and it's real, and it's sizable. It's less of a gap and more of a gaping hole, you know? So what can we do, I guess, as a society to improve the situation we're in right now? So I think, well, first of all, just recognizing (laughs) that There is an issue that needs to be fixing because it's just not getting any better. But I think also like for like, for instance, when it comes to the gender gap. Right. If men would were more, you know, upfront about what they were making, then it would definitely help women earn more. And actually, I want (laughs) to I want to thank you for sharing with me (laughs) what you were getting compensated um, for so that I could go in and make the decision uh, informed. And I think more people 
if more people would do what you did, then it would definitely help not only the gender gap, but also the racial wealth gap. I think just being transparent about certain things would make a huge difference. And just be, and also just because something doesn't impact you directly doesn't mean that you can't be an advocate for it, right? So just be an advocate. Just ask your companies to be upfront about certain data so that we can know where people stand and ask them to review. I know recently, I can't remember which bank it was, but they did a study to look at compensation and promotion for their employees across different races. And they realized that with similar qualifications, black and brown minorities were not getting promoted nearly as much. And they wouldn't have necessarily known that if they hadn't taken the time to do the research. So just more companies doing those research and just also supporting legislation that will prevent those discrepancies or those issues from happening. Yeah, transparency, more information, openness. It makes sense to me. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that I think a blog post that I posted a couple of years ago or a year or so ago talking about my my income. It, it, we were talking about some wins that we had as a family and sharing some of those wins online are all well and good. But I think with the more detail that you can provide, the better it can help people with their situation. Because if you say, hey, we became millionaires in 10 years. And oh, by the way, we made a half a million dollars on our way doing that every year. It's like, okay, well, that's different than somebody saying I made $50,000 a year on my way doing that. Is it possible? Is it visible? So I'm glad to hear that information was helpful. And yeah, I'm all about the information out there right now. Let's say somebody's listening right now and they are knowing that this wealth gap exists and it has for centuries in our country. And they're thinking, well, how can I build generational wealth when the rich are always getting richer? What would you say to that person? I think those are almost two separate things, right? Because a lot of times we focus on keeping up with the Joneses, right? You can build wealth for yourself. Now, if you're trying to catch up to the extra wealthy, that's a different battle. And I think like, unless you are Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, depending on the day of the week, then there will always be someone that's wealthier than you. So I think we have to define, first of all, what wealth looks like for ourselves and go after that. That's beautiful. And it's all personal. Becoming Jeff Bezos, if that's your goal, then yeah, you got a long way to go. But if creating some time freedom and options for your life and generational wealth opportunities for your family is in your future, these are attainable. And I think that Annelise has written the book on how to do that. So thank you very much for being here, Annelise. Somebody's listening right now and they are ready to get started building generational wealth and they've got to get a takeaway from you at the end of this show. What is the first step that they should take following this interview? So I think really the first step is to take an inventory of where you are, right? Understand net worth, calculate your net worth, which is, you know, the assets, what you have minus what you owe, your liabilities. And, you know, understand exactly your situation and then start setting financial goals, whether it's, you know, getting out of debt or starting to invest heavily in your retirement, whatever it is, just, I truly believe in writing things down. (laughs) So I would say, Write it down and then the next step is start investing and 
you know, use tax advantage accounts. If you're interested in real estate, look into that. If you want to start a business, look into that as well. You know, if you have kids or children to be, start looking into investing for college if you can. But I like to say, you know, like something like a 529, but something that parents often do is that they will put their own retirement on hold to invest in their kids' college. And I think that that's something that we shouldn't do because you don't want to become a financial responsibility for your children. There are other options for college, to finance college. I don't think that there are any other options to finance retirement as of now. So if you can at least get your retirement in order, then it will help your family, your kids tremendously. You know, I mentioned that earlier, if you can't max out your account just yet, then just figure out a way to just up your contribution, set a goal, you know, every quarter, every year, and just stick with it. And then I think that the other part is look at your income and see if you can earn more, right? Because I think it always, it comes down to two, right? Two options, earn more, spend less. So I'm a big fan of, well, I like to keep my expenses under control, but I also like the earning more part so that I can actually enjoy life a little bit, right? So maybe take inventory of the skills that you have and the talents that you have and start a side hustle. And you never know, maybe like Andy, your side hustle is going to become your main hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you try something that you like a lot, you have a lot of passion around, maybe it could become your full-time thing. I'm still trying to figure it out right now, but hopefully it'll be figured out in the near future. We'll figure it out together, at least. This is good. Where can people grab this book? So you can get the book on Amazon. So it's Dream of Legacy by Anne-Lise Wealth. And you can also get it on my website, which is dreamoflegacy.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was a blast catching up and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Andy. conversation about generational wealth, how to get it, how to keep it, and then how to have it live on. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Anne Lease Wealth. Number one, wealth isn't just money. When we hear the word wealth, we think money, assets, houses, cars, you know, all the stuff. But this conversation has us expanding our thinking. Wealth can come in the form of intelligence, confidence, and life-changing habits. That's a legacy to be proud of. Number two, you value what you create. Annelise makes a good point about keeping generational wealth alive and growing. Your kids are going to value what they create more than what they are given. We know this to be true in our own lives, right? When we've worked hard to grow our own business or grow our own careers or even our own investments, we feel pride in that hard work. Now, think of all those things were simply handed to us without the hard work and the sacrifice. It might be pretty nice because we don't have to do much, <laughs> but would we care about it as much? Would we give it the same attention and dedication and care? With that in mind, think about how you can help your kids learn to fish instead of handing them the fish. And hopefully that will help us combat that nasty statistic of 70% of families losing their wealth by the second generation. 
Number three, define what wealth looks like to you. The comparison game is huge when it comes to wealth, right? That person has more than me, or this family over here on Instagram always seems to have more opportunity than ours. Well, Ann Lee said it best. There's always going to be someone with more than you. That's just a fact of life. That's why it's important to define what wealth means to you. That way, you're moving towards a more content life. When you're happy with what you have and your wants are few, that's wealthy to me. And when you're content and happy, your kids are going to see that. Then they're going to learn what the true definition of wealth really is. Well, those are my top three takeaways, everyone. I'd love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM. And let's keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and for Dan Hines and Alec Collins for putting together our YouTube videos. We are nearing 3,000 subscribers over there on YouTube, so please join us and see what we got going on at marriagekidsmoney.com slash YouTube. And before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can join me and over 1,100 other families as we help each other thrive this year. One thing we like to do in that group is celebrate each other's wins, and we do that every week, every Wednesday. And about two weeks ago, we heard this good news from Janelle, and here it is. We are selling our house and plan to pay off both cars, my husband's medical school loans, and still have a sizable down payment for the next house. We are taking advantage of this housing market. That's great, Janelle. Congratulations on doing just that, taking advantage of this booming real estate market, depending on where you live in the country. Things are nutty. Houses going for way more than we thought. I keep following my house on Zillow, and there's like, okay, your house has gone up $20,000 just in this last week. I'm like, what? It's nuts. It's a nutty market. So yeah, if you're considering selling or you're in a position to sell, it looks like you could do pretty well, just like our friend Janelle here. Congratulations. And I love how you're using this to rid yourself of all that debt. The cars, the medical school loans, that is just so cool. What a relief. Can I get a round of applause? for our friend Janelle. Way to go, Janelle. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So if you want to share your big wins with us, just like Janelle and potentially, you know, when we share this information, you guys are really inspiring people to do some fun things. So you could be inspiring people. Think about that. So please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Again, that's a Facebook group, a free Facebook group. And we'd love to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Damon John. I don't want to leave my kids an inheritance. I want to leave them a legacy. Here's to leaving your legacy, my friends. Carpe diem. 